Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Tora Radio Show, your home for sim racing news. Hello everybody and welcome to your weekly edition of the Tora Radio Show here on RadioLeMans.com. I'm Matt Hunter, yes, it's the UK's turn again, and therefore... <laughs> he doesn't even need an introduction anymore because he knows who he is and you all know who he is too the quasi-American still somewhere in, in lockdown in the middle of the air somewhere over green and Mr Jordan Groves I thought I was swimming am I flying now? <laughs> well we said you were in a holding pattern about three weeks ago so oh yeah oh sorry it's hard to keep up with where I am geographically now and now you're not allowed in the country <laughs> and now you're not allowed in the country well, we've got a so I'm just hovering in a circle above the Atlantic could be worse, could be the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, joining us uh, this evening, we have uh, Will Panisi uh, from Alpha... I keep trying to say Salva, which is kind of still accurate. Alpha, Alpha Romeo Formula 1. Hello, Will. Hello, Matt. Thank Hello. you for having me here. Thank you very much for taking time out of your evening to join us. We will be talking about the uh, GPVWC very shortly. Uh, find out more about that because it's having looked into it recently. Very, very, very interesting, dear listeners. Goes without saying, if you have any comments or questions, please do get in touch with us on at the real underscore Torah. And also chuck your questions to us on the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective on Facebook because we do try to pick up those as well. Oh, goodness me, what a week it's been. There's actually been an inordinate amount of esports content, which we shall come to very shortly. But first, we will go to our special guest. Uh, will has joined us, and uh, we are very pleased to have him on the show. Um, for those who don't know Will, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I've uh, I've been involved into both esports and real racing for quite a while now. Um, esports came first. Uh, been running uh, a league uh, that's been going on for more than 20 years. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, it's GPWC Grand Prix Virtual World Championship. But for the last eight years, I've also been in Formula One working. Um, currently, the press officer for the Alfa Romeo Racing Orland team. But in the past, I've been writing, I've been the press officer for uh, Sarah for Senior back in the day uh, in Racing Point. Um, so I've got a bit of experience both from both sides of motorsport, the, the, the virtual side and, and the real one. And it's quite interesting that it's come sort of that way around. I have to, I have to note that that number, 20 years of the uh, GP, GPVWC, that's extraordinary. Uh, yeah, GPUC doesn't really roll off the tongue, but it, it was uh, it was back in a day in which uh, everybody were lucky just to have internet access. So you would see it written down, which is is a lot easier to to manage than than having to say it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's been a long time, and we we've been through an evolution of sim racing uh, that back then probably few thing few, few people would have thought possible. Uh, we started with GP3. Um, we started offline racing, so we were literally racing against EIs, sending the files in, and there would be somebody unfortunately having to check the files and everything. And then we maybe jumped to online racing um, with our factor, and uh, and we've been going on ever since with our factor too. And um, it's, it's, it's a league that's been evolved and, and getting more and more complex over the years. So. Uh, there's a lot of history to look back on and a lot to be proud of, uh, even if I saw myself. No, it's absolutely it's absolutely fantastic to hear. I mean, because I mean, you know, we like to well, we don't really blow our own trumpet. We're quite modest here on on the, the Tora radio show. You know, <laughs> Tora's been around for 13 years in uh, um, on the console side of things, and um, and we thought that was pretty grand. But no, 20 years is absolutely astonishing. Um, oh, the 13 years is pretty impressive. So congratulations <laughs> to you as well. It's lucky. It's lucky for some, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I suppose it is because no one else, could, no one can really do anything other than esports racing at the moment. So that's always, yeah. that's always, in a sort of uh, perverse way, quite good. Um, well, let's, let's let's talk about how this how the the series operates because it is it's safe to say 
quite different from your standard kind of sim racing group whereby you pretty much you get a group of people and they go racing um, tell us a little bit how 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 it operates well from from the very beginning we wanted to do something that was slightly different from the sim racing you just described nothing wrong with it it's greatly it's enjoyable it's fun but we wanted to try to do something that was slightly more realistic uh, I think the inspiration for this was like glorious old games like Grand Prix Manager, Grand Prix Manager 2, Grand Prix World, which had the management side of uh, of, of motorsport. Uh, this is incredibly complex, incredibly interesting and fascinating the, the more you get to know about us. Um, but at the same time, we wanted to preserve the, the pure sim racing aspect. So we, we went on to create a system in which you've got both combined. So like in any... You know, management game, you start with a team, uh, you've got a virtual budget, and you can use it um, to sort of hire designers, hire staff, uh, develop parts, uh, pieces for the car, hire drivers. Uh, but where we really defer is, is the, these drivers that you're hiring, uh, unlike, say, the designers and the engineers, are real people. So you're, you're hiring real sim racers. And uh, in the game, eventually, um, the car you drive is the result of all this work. So just like in Formula One, you may have uh, teams producing different cars, developed in different ways, uh, filling them with their drivers. And obviously, you get situations in which you may have a, a very talented driver um, that in a car that is struggling. I always make the example of Fernando Alonso and the last few years he had in Formula One. On the other hand, you may have somebody that on equal machinery may be a step behind the others that is in the team that developed the car in the correct way um, and and find themselves at the front of the field fighting uh, slightly a few positions above where he normally would be. Um, obviously, this is a very simplistic way of describing it. Over the years, over 20 years, as you can imagine, we've, uh, we've refined the product and we made it more and more complex. And I have to say that my own experience within a Formula One team informed a lot of this development. So there's, there's elements that people would not normally... Um, take into consideration when thinking about the operations of a, a Formula One team, something like the logistics, how much it costs to ship everything that you need to go racing from A to B 22 times a year, um, or even stuff like hospitality, what you're doing for your partners, what you're doing for the sponsor, your guests, the paddle club, all this kind of stuff that is a, a daily reality in Formula One and is a very vivid and important part of motorsport in my daily life and the lives of everybody who works in Formula One and other top um, series. Um, and we wanted to translate this and, and give a glimpse of that in the gaming experience uh, for those who actually um, compete with us. In the end, effectively, it's still sim racing. Uh, we still have 20, 24, 26 cars on the grid battling each other, producing some great um, fun and entertainment. But that is the end result of all this work and all this teamwork uh, that takes place behind. I have to say, I, it, you mentioned uh, GP World there. Now, that was one of the first um, Grand Prix management games I, I played. And goodness me, I, 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 I wouldn't say wasted. I spent many, many, many hours stressing about my... Uh, um, my PR budget and stuff like that, and, and hospitality. You invested many hours. <laughs> that's, that's the better way. <laughs> Jordan, you had a question. Yeah, um, I was wondering when it comes to you. You mentioned that you, when the online era of G, GPVWC came around, you moved from GP4, fantastic game, to um, R Factor. What was it at the time that attracted GPVWC to R Factor, and then subsequently what led to you continuing on with R Factor 2, as opposed to one of the plethora of other sims that are out there on the market? Um, well, there, there's two things. R Factor obviously is, is a great product, and um, I, we have a very close relationship as well with the developers, especially since the cover by Studio 397. Um, we, it was a game that we 
played is a game we like, but the main characteristic for us that, that really swayed our decision is the modability of, of our factor, the original factor. Um, we are in a situation which we need to edit the game on a weekly basis because teams will come up with an upgrade, a new front wing, a new um, some engine uh, specs that weren't there the week before as a result of the development um, that they have in the management uh, part of the game. Uh, so we needed something that gave us the flexibility to create different mods every week with different cars uh, and then produce them and, and make them easily accessible week in, week out when we went racing. And that was the ideal platform for us. And, you know, I'm, I'm not regretting it uh, one bit because it's allowed us to really push and develop um, the game uh, side as much as we possibly could code it. Uh, and there's still more to come because they keep developing the game. They keep giving us new options. So that opens doors of stuff that we can simulate in the in the, in the next few years yeah because i suppose in terms of modability customizability the only other real avenue for that that allows you to really get into the customization is a seto Corsa. but r factor and r factor 2 have just got this much greater level of customization and detail um i, w- I was watching the last race that you, uh, you guys put up on youtube at um istanbul and it 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 genuinely, from other R Factor Two broadcasts I've seen, it looked completely different. You've obviously, the, you and the guys behind the scenes, have put so much effort and detail into the various parts of the game that you can customize, and it definitely shows on the broadcasts. Well, yeah, and, and I have to stress, you mentioned me and my team. It's mostly my team. I, uh, I'm very lucky. Um, to, to be working with an incredible team of people and we're all volunteers. Um, but the, the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes is incredible. Uh, the mods are created by us uh, and we're running currently four or five different series, uh, a single seater. We used to have like a tin top racing as well in the past. Uh, we do edit tracks. Uh, we do modification as well to the, to the tracks to make, you know, racing better or fix bugs or just change the, 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 uh, cosmetic appearance of a track. Uh, we've got an incredible system uh, of people running the disciplinary committees or stewards uh, managing uh, penalties and everything and, and the broadcast as well, the, the reporters. Uh, so what started as a, as a one-man band uh, um, 20 years ago in, in 2000 um, has now become a, a true team effort and Absolutely, the league as it is now and the competition that we're offering now would never be possible without all the people that are competing. Um, and they are obviously participating also behind the scene and, and, and putting such an effort for uh, making this possible. That's something that we definitely uh, definitely share there, Will. We uh, we are a massive team behind the scenes as well and every, every single person there brings brilliant ideas to the table and that's how we managed to get so many series out Um week in week out and actually you meant you, you touched on it there because it, it, this is more than one series isn't it there's there's, there's fundamentally a, uh, essentially a kind of full motorsport ladder available to people who want to participate that, that's correct we we always had the idea that we wanted to obviously create the best level of motorsport but also cater to every kind of sim racing out there uh, not everybody's got the ability uh, and the talent and the time to practice uh, uh, as, as everybody else. So we don't want to be too exclusive. We want to be inclusive. Uh, we currently have, obviously, the Super League, which is our top-level competition, is the one whose management system I described. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we've added the Super League Lite, which is uh, basically as a result of uh, the incredible demand for this product. We created a sort of lighter version in which uh, management is still there, but it's not as developed as it could be in in the Super League. And then we've got 
in, in this is probably a Formula One and a Formula One light uh, version. You still have to develop the cars and make strategic choices. Then we obviously have the, the the Super Cup and the Formula Challenge series, which we also run, that can be compared to effectively a, a Formula 2 and Formula 3 in, in the current real world. And on top of this, we also have the um, Academy series, we call it. Uh, it's an arrive and drive, no teams, but it's an opportunity uh, of, to, for people to try this uh, uh, Formula Challenge cars, which is the bottom rung of this ladder, um, without having a team, showcasing their talent, and and we've got actually uh, some sort of scouts, talent scouts, as part of our organizations that tend to place the the try to place the best drivers from these arrive and drive series into the teams that compete in in the career ladder. But yeah, the ideal is that you you can start from something that is more like traditional sim racing, uh, showcase your talent, and then the teams that are competing at the top will come knocking at your door if you've you've shown what you can do. So there you go, Jordan. In seven years, this is what we'll look like. We'll have a proper structure. (laughs) Proper structure and everything. What is a structure? (laughs) (laughs) May I also point out that one thing that we we also have a system that um, because you can't really um, there's no real money involved uh, except for you know a small license fee that we're asking teams and, and and drivers to pay that mostly goes in running costs and getting some prizes for our end of year uh, gala night <laughs> that we do somewhere in Europe. Um, we do have um, we. There's no virtual money, so there's no real an incentive for the top drivers to ask for money. I mean, if they do, that's, that's up to them. But um, we've created a simulated system that basically analyzes the results of each driver and assigns uh, a money value um, to, to these drivers. So at the very top, if you're a team that manages the finances right or gets lots of prize money, is very good at getting these virtual sponsors in, you can afford also the best drivers. But you can't go out and get like the best drivers without ever looking at the wallet. So there's another element that we've simulated through some way too complicated uh, <laughs> um, uh, codes uh, in the website to sort of bring in a bit of realism absolutely fascinating and it literally the way you're describing it it literally does sound basically like a full-on single-seater ladder from start to finish just in the virtual world everything it's 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 incredible how in-depth it's it's become so far. i mean as i said i you know i i, I used to uh use uh, gp world many 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 years ago and that was the last time i kind of dealt with it and and all this has done is made me really want to get involved in it now <laughs> I have to Do say, <laughs> Jordan, you're fr- what nights are you free? We've both got our factor two. We can get on this. ASAP. Yeah, why not? Let's do it. <laughs> um, of course, we can't have well. What was actually turned out to be well, our very first Formula One related guest, which is phenomenal. Um, <laughs> in the many many years that we've done this, as as uh, our listeners will know, we are. And I'm saying this in a completely non-snobby way, very much sports car based, some for some strange reason. So, so thank you very much again. Um, My pleasure. But we can't obviously not, uh, have you on here and not talk about Formula One. Um, obviously, the news came out about uh, very recently about this um, uh, revised potential, obviously revised calendar for later in in the year. Um, how does that? look from a from a team's uh, perspective um it seems um, i don't want to say hopeful but it, it feels like it's going to be quite a condensed and a bit of a dash to the uh, to squeeze a season in now um uh, first of all obviously the situation is still very fluid and i think we are like pretty much everybody else in in the world um looking at the, the conditions evolving every day seeing how the whole situation with the with the the covid uh, pandemic works uh, and it evolves over time. Uh, I don't think um, I need to express how all rearing and re- you know ready to go we all are. We obviously we, we 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 love racing. We enjoy racing. We're all racers, and you know for us it, it's very very difficult not to be competing. I've got a calendar in front of me. Um, we listed all the, all the calendar and there's 10 races at the moment crossed off and it, it feels very, very weird 
to be somewhere at the end of April, and I haven't competed anywhere um, yet. Uh, even though we made all the trip all the way to Australia for yeah. for three days, which was an experience in itself. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the the health and safety of everybody involved, the, the the team personnel, the drivers, the the fans, the officials, is the most important thing. And, and you know, sounds like a cliche, but we are. Um, relying on the expertise of the people that are involved with the FIA, with Formula One and the teams to make a, an honest assessment of the situation and decide when it's safe and how uh, it is safe to race again, whether it's without spectators or um, in a condensed calendar. Um, whatever it is, we will we'll have to adapt and we know that the best decisions are being taken in uh, on our behalf. Uh, it will definitely be, uh, based on what I said, a, a condensed calendar. It will be a challenge uh, logistically from a personnel point of view. Uh, it will be tough. Uh, it will be even tougher than it normally is because for as much as it's a, it's, it's a beautiful and, and enjoyable world, uh, it is long days, lots of travel, long hours, uh, and uh, uh, a lot of our work. So if you condense a whole season rather than nine months, you put it in uh, in five or six or four, um, it's going to be it's going to be a, a real challenge. But you know, it's it's a challenge we're ready to take, and you know, I think. The, the, the world needs some good news and the world needs some entertainment and if we can provide some of this entertainment it's, it's going to be it's going to be what we're here for and we really really want to go racing <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about um your role within the team as well when we would normally be racing what would you be doing and what, what are you getting up to at the moment while we are on pause waiting for the season to start again uh, well, I'm normally, and that's um, that's what my wife always points out. Uh, uh, the, the whole world thinks that what I'm mostly doing is hold the microphone uh, when when the drivers are having the the, the interviews or, or press conferences. Um, obviously, that is something I do, <laughs> and I'm usually looking uh, slightly annoyed in sunglasses, uh, a few steps behind either Antonio or Kimi. Uh, but it's all more. To, to, to my job than that, of course. Um, I'm, I'm generally managing the whole of the communication of the team. Um, that is busy track side. Uh, I would be organizing media activities. Uh, so media would come to me and ask for access to the drivers uh, or the team principal or other key personnel. And I would make calls and decide what is possible, what is not possible timings and how to do it obviously in coordination with other elements within the team um i would make sure that you know the drivers turn up to this uh, these events on time we're very lucky that both kim and antonio and robert tatiana they're extremely punctual um and then basically uh, follow the race, make sure that if there's any last minute request uh, or something happens on track and you get like uh, reporters at the, at the front of the garage, I'll be there and ready to take in this, uh, these inquiries. And towards the end of the day, write the report, distribute it to all the, the, the media, make sure that I uh, maintain a relationship with all the media, TV broadcast uh, in, in the press, uh, press center. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, Trackside, back at the factory, and there's a lot of this um, in in these days. Uh, is obviously a, a a sort of detached version of the same. So we'll get a lot of requests uh, for uh, for for interviews over Skype in these days uh, and Zoom. Um, so I'm managing those, deciding you know, and trying to sort of gatekeep in a way. Uh, with the access, because uh, even though as much as we try to facilitate media access for everybody, um, the, the the supply that we have is is never matching the demand. So we sometimes have to take those difficult decisions and try to be as fair as possible towards different news outlets, different you know countries as well. Um, and at the same time, I'm managing the internal communication on the team, uh, uh, writing stories and features, uh, pitching stories to uh, to media, and generally, like also managing the communication for the other branches uh, that we have in the Sauber group of companies, which is the engineering side, the um, uh, aerodynamics, and also the esports side as well, which is incre increasingly important in these days. Yeah, and you mentioned the esports side. We've seen 
uh, Antonio taking part in the uh, virtual GP. Haven't seen much from Kimi. I know I know he has dabbled in sim racing in the past. I've seen him on like a Seto Corsa and stuff. Uh, what what have your been your impressions been of how both your real drivers have been getting on with sim racing and of course the um, the F1 esports team. Um. Well, obviously, for uh, for them, they they've been doing a lot more of it than they probably expected to to have done at this time time of the year. Um, both have been sim racing in the past. Um, as a as a husband and father, I can tell that you know probably Kimi finds it a bit difficult with time because uh, he's got like a family that keeps him keeps him very busy and probably are very very happy to have their dad around for so long. Um, They've obviously both been in the in the real simulator um, back in the factory, um, and um, they, they, they've all been very very familiar with that. Obviously, Antonio grew up a bit more with games uh, as opposed to uh, to Kimi. Antonio is very enthusiastic about it. He's really really taking it in uh, with a passion. He's been doing also i racing on the other side just by himself. He's really enjoying it. I know Robert uh, Kubica has been doing it as well. And uh, um, I'm sure we'll see Tatiana as well because uh, she's just got a, a brand new rig. And I know she's been practicing a lot. So uh, we'll see Miss Calderon as well uh, racing. Uh, they, they enjoy it. They really enjoy it. I, I think for, for people that live in British racing like they are, um, the ability to to just go and get a little bit of the kick they would experience when racing a Formula One car um, is is really you know, giving giving them something. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. It's so great to hear that the drivers are in are uh, enjoying the sports uh, boom at the moment, and um, it'd be it'd be quite awesome to see Kimi doing one. I mean, I mean, goodness, if Jensen Button can go and and uh, do some of the racing, it'd be great to see Kimi uh, jump in something and and get on the uh, get on the big screen as well um well thank you ever so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure hearing from you um absolutely fascinating to hear about the uh, uh gpvwc something we will definitely be pe- uh, paying closer attention to and uh we'll do, we shall certainly do our best to cover it on the on the trs in the future as well well thank you thank you for having me it's been a pleasure <laughs> no, it's absolutely absolutely pleasure to have you on um we must quickly move on uh jordan Let's let's stick with real motorsport a little bit because uh, IndyCar's been active again. Yes, so um, as is the case every week now, we've had an, an, a series of um, other esports, real series, counterpart series, etc. And uh, IndyCar once again failed to disappoint, uh, racing at the Circuit of the Americas. And I think the highlight for many was the fact that we were joined with uh, Lando Norris, uh, competing with McLaren, uh, Aaron McLaren SP rather. Um, Given his experience on iRacing, I, I don't think it's really a surprise to say what I'm about to say in the fact that he won the race. Um, it had a bit of a potential to be a, a bit comfortable for him at times. He, he, he was really going off on his own. Um, as I'm sure many of you will have watched the race, he had a, he had a mid-race spin, which kind of um, livened it up a little bit, shall we say? But yeah, still managed to win. Um, he took the win ahead of Patricio Award, his teammate, and Felix Rosenquist was on the podium. Um, the sixth and final round of the iRacing IndyCar Challenge will be taking place this weekend, and it was announced just after the race in Cota that it will be at Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can't really have an IndyCar series without Indianapolis. Um, qualifying is taking place for most of the entrants. Um, I think around now, actually, it's not being televised or anything, which is a shame. Um, however, the the race will be capped to 33 entrants, as is real um, in the in the real race. Uh, the I believe the full time IndyCar teams are going to be locked into the race, as will the winners of the IndyCar Challenge uh, races so far. So Lando Norris could race if he wanted to. Sage Karam. Um, however, there are going to be a understandably quite a few teams who are looking to make the race in the qualifying sessions uh one that was a pretty interesting late inclusion is top gun racing which i think wins the award for one of the coolest team names um 
they're a brand new team fielding RC Ennison, who has been kind of on the outside, almost getting into IndyCar a couple of times. He, I think he raced at Mid-Ohio a few years ago. Uh, Top Gun Racing are looking to enter the NTT IndyCar series in real life whenever it resumes later this year. And they're actually using this week's sim race, should they qualify, as a springboard to attract more sponsors and to get their feet off the ground as they prepare to make their real entry. So I think that's quite a unique situation for sim racing where we're actually seeing real teams or real fledging teams using sim racing as a springboard to get into real racing as i say is, i mean particularly on the american side it's something that we're seeing a lot more of that the virtual and real world art worlds are are aligning quite so well insofar as we've obviously seen some quite controversial things yeah. so it's quite it's quite nice to see a very positive approach in the other direction then i suppose a good way of looking at it yeah definitely i mean yeah as you, as you alluded to we the past couple of weeks we've had a few unfortunate situations where uh, the uh, sim world has come a little bit too close maybe to the real world but yeah yeah see, seeing this as um a bit of much needed positivity in that regard I don't, I don't think i'm struggling to think of an example where a sim team has really gone onto the real platform like this and hopefully they qualify for the race and hopefully they go on to qualify when the Indy 500 takes place hopefully in August. As I say because normally it's drivers isn't it that we see and we've seen plenty of examples of uh, quality sim racing drivers who have gone on to great success uh, on the real circuit so it's, it's quite interesting to see a whole team trying to do the same thing um, just jumping back to the um, Dakota race, Lando Norris as we said um, having uh, <laughs> Small advantage uh, <laughs> during that meeting, but what was what I found really interesting was a was a video he put out prior to the race showing the his practice sessions and his um, engineering chat, um, which I thought was very good and and, and the proper sort of feedback that was going on. Um, I couldn't. Yeah, because he was working with um, his engineer his engineer last year in Formula One, Andrew Jarvis left the team at the end of the year to go to the IndyCar side. Mm. And now, because of all of this and because of Lando going over to try the virtual IndyCar series, he's, he worked with his teammate and his uh, engineer, Andrew Jarvis, again. And the feedback they were giving, the debriefs they were giving after qualifying runs, after race sims, was... It, it's in, in one side, you're like, wow, they're really taking this seriously. And then on the other side, you're like, wow, they're taking this seriously yeah. like kind of thing it, it's incredibly cool to see and, and unfortunately no matter how hard i listened to their discussion it didn't improve my lap times anyway i um, think <laughs> well no because I, I, I was thinking to myself it, it's a side of because i'm trying to even think from the drive to survive series i don't remember seeing much in the way of like footage from debriefs and, and what they didn't really get into technicalities no unfortunately no. which i would have um, loved to have seen more of and I, I think across formula one it's something we've never really seen or heard of that much obviously we know they ha obviously we know they happen um yeah so to even but we've never really been privy to no, it no 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 and obviously okay this is kind of out of context a bit but the language and the styling will be very similar um in in so far as what they're trying to achieve on the you know on the day um so in that respect it was it was i mean a lot of it went extremely over my like sailed miles over my head uh but it was fascinating to listen to really really interesting uh, and i urge listeners if you're if you're technically minded and you want to get an insight as to what a dry, race driver's debrief sounds like go to lando norris's um you, uh youtube channel and find that find that video because it's very very worth watching what impressed me the most was was how he was able to recall what had happened at one corner about 20 laps ago and know exactly what happened what the cause was exactly all of that i mean we shouldn't be surprised as a formula one driver but it's just like <laughs> if i spin or go off i i i don't tend to have that much of a recollection like piece by piece of what happened usually all that's in my mind is a series of expletives see i'm the opposite <laughs> i'm the opposite it's going through every corner going that was bad that was awful <laughs> that was that was terrible oh that was a good one i'll remember that <laughs> oh i think i can go a bit quicker through their next lap in the wall <laughs> speaking speaking, speaking of things that are bad bad very good bad very good bad um dtm 
Ah, yes. <laughs> now I know obviously I'm, I'm almost I can almost guarantee um, that uh, this will have been discussed on midweek motorsport. Um, mm. is, is in obviously the the big the big negative news about that. But on this is the Tora Radio Show. By gum, we're going to bring you some slightly good news. And then he said gooder then. That's not actually a word. Gooder. Brilliant. That wouldn't go down well in the press release. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> um, yeah, so D- so DTM have launched, have launched an official esports race series. I'm going to pass this over to you in a moment because obviously I know you've done far more research than me because you are the brains <laughs> of the outfit. What? Uh, on this show. Cool, we're desperate. <laughs> um, but... What what absolutely what I absolutely love about this, firstly it's on Race Room, which is one of my other favourite uh sim racing titles at the moment. If you haven't played Race Room, download it and get the uh, M one Pro car on track immediately. It's just incredible. Uh especially with a decent headset on, like I currently have. Uh no I'm not sponsored. Yeah, just had to put that in there, didn't you? Yeah. I didn't say who it was. <laughs> it's other fine. headset brands are available. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> Matt's headsets, other brands are available. Anyway, um, oh goodness me. And it, and the other thing that um, that really impressed me about this was was because Raceroom actually has um, quite a wide range of uh, DTM content, but not the most recent cars. They've been very clever, and they've started off by using their classic. Um, vehicles. I think it's not. Is it? It's not 92. Is it? it's a bit newer than 92? Yes. It is 92. Yes. I should have. I should have known because I'm looking at the picture of the Mercedes now. <laughs> um, one of my favourite all time. Actually, the Opal's probably one of my favourite um, DTM cars from 94. But anyway, um, I digress. Jordan, please, whilst I just ogle at these... Ogle <laughs> Before at... you go down the rabbit hole of talking about classic touring car racing... I'm, gonna all... I'm just going to ogle the gorgeousness. You can... <laughs> yeah, so the uh, DTM Esports Classic Challenge is what it's being dubbed as. It will be running every Sunday throughout May. Uh, the uh, championship will be starting on Sunday the 3rd of May, this coming Sunday, uh, with the drivers racing the 1992 spec cars that are in race room. Uh, the next weekend they'll be moving 20 years beyond that, which is a bit of a shame. I would have liked to have seen a bit more classic stuff, but it's a cool it's a cool format nevertheless. So the following three weekends they'll be using the 2014 cars, then the 15 cars, then the 16 cars. Um, I honestly don't remember there being much of a difference between the 14, 15 and 16 cars. But I don't think there is. It, that's did DRS, did DRS, irrelevant. Was DRS on all of those, or did it happen um, some through? It's definitely 2016, definitely maybe 2015. I'm not sure about 2014. I know 16 has definitely got it, because that was the first yeah. time I jumped in, and I, I scared yeah, myself, and I pressed the button, and the wing fell off. <laughs> but... <laughs> but yeah, I've seen, um, I'm not sure if my memory is, is betraying me or not, but I seem to remember there being a couple of other classic DTM cars in the game. However, of course, the problem there is, is that they, I think it was only a Mercedes, and obviously they needed an Audi and a BMW. So the 92, 2014, 15, and 16 were the ones that could only satisfy that. It's a good job that they're not going further into 16 and onwards. Otherwise, if they tried to do a 2021 series, it would be a BMW. Well, it'd be a, yeah, it'd be a one-make series, basically. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's a, it's a nice change, because like one kind of problem we potentially stumbled across a couple of weeks ago when esports was being thrown massively into the limelight mm. was the subject of oversaturation and, wh- and whether people would sort of get tired of it and yeah it does seem to have calmed down a little bit now but it, it's good to see a series like dtm still going on with it even though they're a couple of weeks behind maybe but this unique format that they've got where they're changing the cars every week yeah, I, I do like that plan. I think the only other series that's kind of adopted that has been the races series on R Factor Two, yeah. where they've been uh, changing the cars every week. I think I think maybe it needs more variety within that. Maybe maybe the virtual GP series on the F1 game needs to use the classic cars one week or something. Oh. It 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 seems like there's a lack of classic or variation within series and championships, and maybe maybe this maybe DTM are onto something here. Maybe some of the other series should start varying some of the machinery they use varying some of the tracks they use etc maybe instead of trying to be the exact virtual counterpart and following everything to the letter maybe go out there try something else a little bit different 
I mean, you know, an organisation not too far away from where we're sitting now has been running uh, classic versions of um, very popular endurance championships for a long time, but that's none of my business. Uh, <laughs> See what I did there. Um, yeah, I see what you did. There. I, I have to say, no, I, I saw this. I saw this comment, and I'm very. It's interesting you said about the oversaturation, and I do. I do sort of agree because I think even in real world motorsport, when real world motorsports running, um, in any given other year, you know, there is a week. You, you get weekends where there's multiple things on. And you kind of have to sit there and go, "Damn, what am I actually going to watch?" Maybe I'll go in the garden and, and record it all instead. Um, but yeah, and obviously, and, and in a way, again, it, it's it's an example of of the virtual world aping real life. In that respect, I think you. I also agree with you that yes, it has calmed down a bit now. Um, I think that it feels a bit more structured as well, as opposed mm. to everything literally hurling everything at weekends and hoping that that's going to stick. Having the supercars in the week, for example, I think that's been really good. That has been fantastic, actually. Yeah, I think that was the problem, as you mentioned straight away, is that everything was happening at once. So you were going from one one event. It was like, all right, but I've got to watch the NASCAR series. Oh, now now the Formula One's on, and now there's another Formula One on for some reason. It 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 does. Yeah, it's it's calmed down to a point now where I think this is the kind of level where it could keep going sustainably and not have people be a bit too frustrated with it. Because I think our and and listeners, please again do throw us your comments uh, at the real underscore Torah uh, or on the midweek motorsport listeners collective. I think our a concern that we've we've voiced off air um, is that where what happens when the roundabout stops? You know when everything goes back to relative normality because we have to say relative at the moment. I don't think anything's going to be normal for a while. Where does that leave? Esports does it does the bubble burst straight away? Does it does it keep rolling on because people have now people who were maybe questioning it have now gone. Actually, this has been a really good idea. We should continue with this. What do you? I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's seeing it's going to be interesting to see what happens when all the racing comes back. And and it's going to be interesting to see how many teams, drivers, championships carry on with their own virtual counterparts. Because if you think about what, when racing was still, well, it sounds like it was so long ago, back in the day when we had real racing, um, the only series that really had virtual counterparts that were seriously like that they put effort into them, basically, uh, would have been maybe NASCAR, Formula One on F1 2019 with the eSports series. Yeah. Of course, there's uh, there's undoubtedly there's going to be more interest in it now because more people have been subjected to it, if you will, over this period. It will be interesting to see how many carry on. Obviously, the real drivers won't be as as readily available, but may, maybe this is something for the postseason, for preseason, over the winter, having the real drivers taking place, taking part in a couple of races every now and again, like the IndyCar drivers doing the, the this six round series. Maybe we'll see something like that happen. Um, it, it will be. I think this. Is, I think we will see more real championships and teams getting more involved with sim racing now because they've shown it's been proven to be popular. I mean, look at the NASCAR ratings; they've been going up and up and up. Mm. Yeah, the quality of racing hasn't been great. I mean, I don't know whether you watched Talladega. We'll mention that in a bit briefly, but it, I, it will be interesting to see how many of them carry on with it, and I hope a lot of them do because. It has been interesting to see what championships have taken, like what what takes they've taken on sim racing, what they've put forward for us. Some of them have been better than others. The Formula E wasn't the Formula E's unique um, variation. It was a good idea on paper, but I don't think it really worked. Um, Maybe that's a good segue into actually mentioning the Formula E race because we haven't really talked about the Formula E uh, race at home challenge that began last weekend. Um, well, it's just, I mean, and it's very interesting to point out. Of course, Formula E is is another series that that had esports in its DNA from quite early on. They dabbled, they they you know they they made a concerted effort to do things with um, esports uh, from a good few seasons ago. So I I I have to say I was waiting for them to start doing something, and when they did, it was a bit. Uh, 
Yeah, I think like they they tried to do what DTM have done and, and have tried to put something forward to just keep everyone interested. I think they were aware of the fact that they were somewhat behind the curve. Um, so for those of you who didn't watch the race, basically the way the format works, qualifying works much in the same. It's groups of five, etc., and they go on to do Super Bowl. But in the race, uh, the it's they they calling it race royale, which is. Um, hard to say without rolling your eyes a little bit um (laughs) uh, essentially what happens is the uh, race goes on and after every lap the person last place is eliminated from the race and then once only 10 drivers remain there's a single lap sprint to the finish to decide the point scoring positions sounds interesting but it it seems I didn't catch much of the race because, admittedly, uh, I was kind of a victim of the oversaturation part. But uh, from the comments from those who were taking part in the race and the test race um, the week before, it it wasn't as good as maybe everyone was thinking it was going to be. And maybe esports is the place to try something out like that. You could see Formula E maybe adopting this kind of thing as a one-off rule change in the future. Maybe esports is a testbed for that. I don't know. But I think... Formula E is different enough in itself where it didn't really need to have a unique selling point because it's electric and it's on tight street circuits. There isn't really another series that does that. So maybe in this case, we were just talking, we were just praising DTM about how they were thinking outside the box. Maybe Formula E needed to stay within the box. Um, <laughs> ne- nevertheless, um, stay in the box. That's a good, I, I wish that was an intentional motorsport pun, but it wasn't. Um, nevertheless, uh, the race was won by Maxi Gunter, and um, the next round will be taking place this weekend. There we go. And you did, of course, just mention. Um, well, we'll quickly do our tin top bits, and then we've got to talk about some two wheel stuff because yes. the, because the Americans aren't here, and we like two yes. wheels. Uh, <laughs> I missed the V. I can't believe I actually missed the V8s this week. I'm shocked. <laughs> I, wa- I made a concerted effort to watch Bathurst, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was crazy. Ah, see, I didn't watch Bathurst. I know um, who, who was it the one at Bathurst? I can't remember now. I, I know there was an, a fantastic end of race two between um, uh, McLaughlin and Kostecki. I think so. Yeah, he was. I think it was a fantastic race that was at the end. Absolutely fantastic. Um, This week, the V8 supercars went to uh, Montreal and Watkins Glen for two races each. Fantastic track lineups. Mm. This is the thing I like about what V8s are doing is that obviously with iRacing, they're limited by how many of their tracks they can actually run. So they're they're going completely out there with the track choices. I'm still waiting for Daytona and Talladega, which I I believe are going to be on the ovals. I have to say very quickly. V8s at Silverstone, amazing. Awesome, wasn't it? So good. They should definitely do that in real life. Yeah. Um, yes, they should. But yes, just as a brief uh, recap, the four race winners this week were Shane Van Gisbergen, Chaz Mostert, and uh, De Pasquale. What's his first name? I'm not a huge V8. Antonio? De Pasquale, either way. And uh, Jamie Winkup. Who um, seemed a bit shocked because he's been he's been struggling with sim racing, bless him. He's been one of these drivers who haven't really been managing to get their head around it. And um, thanks to the uh, reverse grid race at Watkins Glen, he was able to come out on top with Alexander Rossi finishing just behind him. Um, yeah, Alexander Rossi was one of the wild cards for this week alongside Marcus Ambrose and uh, Joey Logano from the NASCAR Cup Series. It makes uh, me so the, happy that Marcus Ambrose is back doing V8s, <laughs> albeit virtually. It, it's, it's just, it just seems right, doesn't it? it does. And it, it's kind of fitting, obviously, because he's, he's won races at both of those tracks um, in uh, supercars and in, well, in NASCAR, rather. Um, as a, for the next round, the next round will be taking place on the Wednesday, the 6th of May, and those races will be at Spa and the Nürburgring. Very interested to see our supercars go at, at Spa. Mm. Yes. Mm. It's only another two weeks until we get to Daytona and Talladega, though, so that'll be. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait to see how that goes. Right. Let's quickly move on. Let's get some two wheels done. I, I sound like I didn't want to do it then. I really I was want, to talk, say, I want to talk about this. The pictures have been amazing. This is a weird scenario because usually it's you who's waxing lyrical about two wheeled stuff. Yeah, no, this is really cool because because you jumped the gun. I haven't bought this yet. Uh, 
dear listeners, he've been sh- Jordan has been sharing pictures with us on our on our Facebook group for days of MotoGP <laughs> 20. It is it is very very very. When was the last one you bought? Right, thing? yeah. So th- this is the problem I have because I'm, I'm I'm doing what's called an um, what, what's the um, word that I can use for I'm going in blind basically because the last MotoGP game that I played was 2008. So I, I'm, I'm admittedly I'm not the biggest fan of two wheeled racing in well I wouldn't say I'm not the biggest fan I just don't get around to watch it because you know it's behind a paywall usually. Whereas I was play, whereas I was playing MotoGP games back back when they were done by. I want to say THQ back on Xbox, Jeez. the first Xbox, and That's probably before that. Mental. In fact, yes, so, I had the Konami ones on PlayStation Two as well. Bloody hell! Norica, Nor- <laughs> Nor- the the fact that they made an actual feature, a feature point in the reviews of the fact that Norikabe's hair actually waved around behind him, <laughs> behind him as he was driving, riding around the bike. Anyway, sorry. You don't get that in in current games, do you? No, you don't. On on the list of features, luscious movable hair. hair. <laughs> Incredible. Um, yeah, so unfortunately, alive, but not unfortunately, that. with my uh, MotoGP 20 review, we shall loosely dub it. I can't really compare it to any of the uh, previous uh, MotoGP titles by Milestone. Um, for for context, as I said, the only motorbike games I've played have been MotoGP 20. I think SBK seven. Nice. And I think more recently, I think the only ones I've played are Ride Three. I haven't even played like the TT game, etc. So um, going in stressful. <laughs> going in as a beginner, well, he says stressful. <laughs> going in as a beginner, I think I think it's a, a an avenue of sim racing we don't really get to talk about much on the show because we're all very much well uh, well rehearsed in all of our various specialties. So. This is very much our chance to do kind of a, a how how is this game for a beginner, a complete novice? Um, it's a fantastic game, MotoGP mm. 20. From a graphical put, for, let's get the, the usual stuff out of the way. Graphics, outstanding. I think you'll agree, as as you mentioned with the screenshots yeah. up and sharing, it looks fantastic. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's. Is it the best graphical racing game I've played? It's up there. I'm sure there's something else that I can think of that might be better, maybe Forza, but I mean, there's is that too kind of colourful? ACC is better than that. AC, ACC, there you go, that's a perfect one. Yeah, ACC is just astonishing. Um, from a physics point of view, again, I can't really compare it to the previous games. However, as I said, as someone who is a novice, I mean, I've, I've got some assists on, I, I haven't got the dual braking system or anything like that. Um, it's very much if you're looking into getting MotoGP 20, de- don't jump on the Grand Prix bike straight away okay, well, that's all I will say because it is tough it is really really tough um, the Moto3 bike it, it goes up as you would expect, uh, Moto3 it's low power, it's lightweight it's, it's really it's quite quick to get the hang of it if you've got the right assists on uh, Moto2's a little bit mental you get on that and you're like wow okay bit of a learning curve here and then you get on the motor gp bike and I, I i i'm not too proud to say that i haven't completed many laps without falling off yet <laughs> very much as, as you were saying the other week matt with you on i racing at imola in an f3 where you haven't finished a lap yet i there was rarely a lap where my rider wouldn't have been critically wounded um <laughs> It is, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm, I'll update this review as we go on in the in the coming weeks as I try and um, get to grips with it. We'll, we'll do like a new segment, like how much has Jordan crashed this week um, kind of thing. Um, one of our major gripes, myself and Matt, we were talking about um, was the absence of the Red Bull Rookies Cup and the Moto E classes. Um me being um, not so up to speed with the titles, I knew they were in the last game, but I, I didn't really see anywhere in the marketing for this game as to whether or not they would be in it. So I was a little bit disappointed to see that they weren't in. But I have found out that they are going to be added to the game free of charge at the end of June, because um, this this game's kind of been affected by the whole you know worldwide situation that's going on at the moment. They've had to delay a couple of things, but rather than delay the release of the whole game, they're adding in some various things as it goes on. So I um, shall get I'm, it then. 
Yes, yeah. That was. I, I'm very much looking forward to trying the Moto E because um, it's just something I haven't tried really. And maybe the Red Bull Rookies Cup will be a better place for I, me to start properly, so that I don't die as much. I've driven. I've driven. <laughs> I've driven. I've ridden the Moto E at Misano, and it took me about twelve laps to get used to it because there's no there's no gear changes. Obviously, it's all you know straight through like yeah but the thing is because i've driven because i've also driven formula e in a varying range of sim scenarios including an actual mm. proper proper sat in a cockpit of an actual yeah. car type thing um that helped a little bit but it's very surreal it's what mm. it's, it's an amazing experience because it's so surreal but yeah very cool i'm glad they're adding it and of course, have you tried any of the historic content yet? Yes, I have, and um, that's a bit mental as well. Yes. Um, yeah, so we we haven't really mentioned the historic stuff yet. Um, but there's just so much to kind of get used to the game. The, the difficulty kind of <laughs> uh, uh, overshadows everything else. But um, yeah, there's a, a whole range of historic content, riders and drivers, and the uh, riders and bikes. I mean. You can tell I'm a four-wheel person. <laughs> um, <laughs> unlike other games, um, where kind of all the content is kind of given to you on a plate, there there are a lot of uh, there is a lot of the content, as in the riders and the bikes, that are hidden behind um, uh, challenges you have to complete. Um, you, you earn credits by doing historical um, scenarios, and you can spend them um, on riders and bikes. Uh, but yeah, you've got the likes of uh, various versions of Valentino Rossi throughout his career riding Yamahas and um, uh, what was it, uh, Hondas, etc. You've got uh, Nicky Hayden and Marco Simoncelli there, paid tribute to in this game, they're both in there. Um, you've got Shaky Burn from uh, BSB back when he was in the GP series. You've got people like him in there. The bikes... See, one thing I've been critical of with historical content in other games such as F1 2019 is that they're not usually paid as much attention to in terms of the physics, in terms of how they've been made put in the game whereas you can tell with the MotoGP bikes uh, the historical content is that all of them feel very different to one another mm. um i me not having the historical knowledge i'm not really able to tell you whose bike it was i was riding but it was, it was a, a bike from the mid 90s or something and then you you gently put on the throttle and you would wheelie into narnia or something like that it's it, it, every bike has its own unique feel and um, as opposed to um, on the other side, you've got historic tracks. At the moment, there are only two in the game. I don't know if they're planning on adding more. But we have uh, Donington Park, which is uh, great, has a British person, you know. And we've also got Laguna Seca. So, um, yeah, I mean, two fantastic tracks. Hopefully, they do add more historical tracks from the world of MotoGP. Um, obviously, they've got a fantastic calendar anyway on there. You know, you, got everything from you know Mizano, Silverstone, Kota, the new track in Finland, the Kimi Kimian Ring. Something like that. It it's difficult anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Very difficult to get used to. A Kimi Ring? Yeah, something like that. Um but yeah, I mean that it seems as though MotoGP the guys over at Milestone are going to be updating it quite a lot with the obviously the Moto E and the Red Bull rookies. Um yeah, we'll, de- we'll definitely have to come back and review this in a couple of weeks when maybe I'm not so terrible at the game so that I can give a bit more of a <laughs> of an in-depth review on yeah. it. But it's it's certainly a very challenging game if, if you're into the simulation side. But if you if you turn on the right assists, it is a, it's it's very easy to pick up and play if you put on the right assists and everything and you can slowly turn them off as you get used to it. So I definitely recommend it. There we go. Two-wheeled content back on TRS. Who'd have thunk it? And no In the hands tell... of the least capable person. <laughs> <laughs> no one to tell us that we can't. Yes. Uh, that leaves us with just enough time to quickly uh, mention two events uh, that are coming up very soon. Uh, the Tora iRacing MX-5s starting tomorrow uh, at Silverstone National Legacy. Uh, circuit um, so I don't know if we're streaming that I'm not sure I'll have to speak to the guys about that to see if it is but if you want to get involved in Tora's uh, return to iRacing uh, head over to the forums there's a dedicated forum section for that uh, expect to see more um, 
PC-based content coming ever uh, soon. And of course, our next uh, foray into endurance racing, the Bathurst 12 hour, starts on Saturday. Um, so this is current GT3 machinery, so very much like the Liquid Molly uh, 12 hours uh, that we all know and love. So do please head over to that. Uh, that'll be that'll be on Tora's Twitch channel and on on um, YouTube. Uh, expect all links it, uh, at our Twitter page. I'll get it out. Goodness me, it's been a long week. <laughs> at the real underscore Tora for more details on how to tune in to the streams for that very exciting race. Massive grid as well, um, which is excellent to see once again. Jordan, I think that's another week. Blimey. Hopefully next week, ladies and gentlemen, we will attempt attempt a unification and we will try and get everybody back on. Try and broke a peace talks. <laughs> get everybody and the Americans. <laughs> yes. Get everyone everybody back on for next week's show. I don't know if they've got any special guests. I can't remember. Uh, that's me being deeply honest. Um, if not, it will be it will be our lovely American compatriots uh, with their uh, weekly insight into what has happened in esports. Thank you ever so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. I've been Matt Hunter. I need to call you Lewis. Thank goodness me. That's that's horrible. Oh, how it? dare you, Jordan Groves? <laughs> Jordan Groves has been exemplary on two wheels and four, uh, and very. And again, once again, a massive thank you to our guest, uh, Will Panisi uh, from Alfa Romeo Formula One and the GPVWC. Thank you ever so. Ever, thank you ever so much for listening. I'm going. I'm going to put my teeth back in. Bye for now. Stay safe. Speak soon. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.